This is the Juice Dispatch. The Juice Dispatch is a new project from um, CJUC 92.5, and it's part of the Local Journalism Initiative program, which is uh, funded by Canadian Heritage. And that program supports the creation of original civic journalism that covers the diverse needs of underserved communities across Canada. Um, so a sudden I uh, will be uh, valiantly focusing on um, in-depth reporting of major civic topics in Whitehorse. Um, and the ones that we've identified or are most interested in exploring are um, housing and development, um, issues affecting minorities and vulnerable populations, Accessibility uh, and garbage and waste uh, is a big one that will be coming up very soon, and community engagement. So our shows will be running uh, Sundays at 1 p.m. at this time for now. They'll also be available via YouTube and uh, the Seajuice website. We're really excited to bear this responsibility of reporting on these topics, uh, and a big part of our mandate is to do that with community and with community partners. So feel free to reach out to us at thejuicedispatch at gmail.com. We have an Instagram account. Um, and maybe I'll begin by introducing myself a little bit. Please do. Yeah. So my name is Asad Chishti. I first arrived here on Kwanlindan and Tan Kwachan territories uh, in the fall of 2017 by bicycle. Uh, and then I moved up here full-time in the spring of 2019. And since then, this has largely been the place that I've called home. And um, I have been a photographer since high school and worked at my university paper, worked at the community radio station on campus, uh, CFRC 101.9. And since then, have done a lot of citizen journalism, a lot of... Um, photography, uh, work with audio uh, and audio recordings and field recordings, and also worked on some film and video projects. Um, so it's really great to be back full circle uh, at Community Radio, because that's where I believe that my journey as a journalist really began. And with that, over to you, Zach. Yes. Uh, well, I do not have much of a background in uh, this kind of journalism at all. Um, but I, I uh, am proficient at writing, and so I'm adapting quickly, I think. Um, I've lived in Whitehorse kind of uh, off and on since I was uh, about three years old when uh, my parents moved us from Dawson to Whitehorse. So um, I have uh, seen many versions of Whitehorse uh, come and go. And so I feel like um, it's always been sort of a, a uh, focus of interest is, is kind of the change that the city is going through now and has been going through for the last about 10 years, 10, 15 years. Um, and so I'm excited to 
actually have the tools to dig into that and maybe come up with some uh, interesting, um, yeah, things to say on the radio. <laughs> um, yeah, I sh- yeah, I I'm a, a white settler cis man. I. Um, in terms of like positionality of where we're speaking from, um, we acknowledge that uh, we're settlers on this land. Um, and uh, the stories that we will tell were, are not always the full stories um, of people with lived experiences of things, but we are, we're really uh, intending to uh, provide a more in-depth kind of coverage to a lot of things um, that don't get as much um, playtime, I guess. Yeah. And as for myself, I am and my family immigrated to Canada about almost 20 years ago. Um, Yep. Middle class um, and looking forward to diving into these things uh, as well. Uh, And we're broadcasting from CJUC, which is based out of uh, shipyards. Um, It's one of of the buildings uh, here. And at some point, hopefully, we'll have an opportunity for you to visit us. Um, So with that, let let us begin. So we have a few things for you today, uh, and we'll jump in and out of segments as we figure out our first show. Um, so first up, we have a piece that we've been working on around energy efficiency and housing. So have a listen. Uh, sharing walls and roofs and floors, right? That's the most sustainable thing we can do is just share more. I mean, that's... So my name is Jack Kobayashi. I'm a principal of Kobayashi and Zeta Architects here in Whitehorse. When um, people that, uh, ask me about sustainability, I always think, you know, the number one word in all that is share, sharing. In terms of buildings, anyways, communities, sharing more. The more you can share, the better. And in architecture, that's, you know, share, share walls, share floors. Because when you're sharing like that, when you have party walls and... And, um, you know, where one person's uh, uh, roof is another person's floor, you know, you're, uh, you're saving you know, on energy. You know, moisture is, um, is the architect's biggest enemy. And everybody thinks, oh, the architect like, lies awake at night worrying about their building collapsing. We don't. We rarely worry about buildings collapsing. Um, usually where it's, it's not a difficult thing to design for. The things that, the thing that keeps architects awake at night is more like moisture ingress into buildings. Aero seals a relatively new technology um, and we're the first people to bring it up to the Yukon. Actually, I guess they did a demonstration up here in the Yukon, and that's where we learned about it. Um, but then, since then, we got on board and became the distributor for the Yukon. Um, and so, it is a technology that 
um, brings uh, it's a liquid sealant that you bring into the house and spray it off in the house in like an aerosol um, while you're doing this you're pressurizing the house with a blower door um, so I'm Corey Sands and um, we're sitting in the office here at Sands Construction so the pressurized house is forcing this aerosol sealant into all the cracks of the house on the exterior and as this material gets pushed through all the exterior cracks um, through the vapor barrier and around the drywall around the windows all that stuff it starts to build up a seal like as if it was you, you, as if you did a bead of silicone in that area and so it will uh, it will greatly reduce the amount of air leakage in a home um, even more than 50 percent like we can bring the the air leakage numbers down more than 50 percent from where where we started My name is uh, Sarah Newton. I have been uh, an environmental and indigenous rights activist uh, for, well, 13 years since moving up to Whitehorse. And um, I'm uh, an environmental scientist. I've worked at the uh, Northern Energy Innovation Center housed at Yukon University and am currently conducting research on uh, ground source heat pumps. Uh, using geothermal energy for um, for heating homes. So, for the energy efficiency and energy efficient housing um, segment and story, we're still packaging and developing it. But we interviewed um, Forrest Pearson, who built one of the first built the first LEED certified residential home up here. Uh, Eric Lebrecht from uh, Yukon Energy, who's working on their Peak Smart Demand. Uh, Tyler Heal. Uh, from the Northern Community Land Trust, who's a structural engineer, uh, Murray Long and Peggy Land, who recently reach, retrofitted their home uh, with a heat pump, Sarah Newton, whom you heard, Corey Sands from Sands Construction and Aeroseal Bearing, Jack Kobayashi, um, as well as Sarah Lily Stein, Scott Presnell from the Yukon Conservation Society about their pilot project with electric thermal storage. Um, we got some info from the Energy Solutions Center, and we'll report back with a more finessed and polished segment of that. Um, and we're switching gears a little to something a little more uh, municipal and at the city hall level. So over to you, Zach. Yeah. Um, so accessibility in the city of Whitehorse's uh, snow and ice control policy has been, sorry, this is, I, I really hate pun, uh, puns on news, but uh, it's, has been a hot issue. Um, so at the latest city council meeting on Monday, December 11th, a proposal from Councillor Ted Laking uh, was unanimously approved to grant uh, $220,000 in more funding to, quote, provide additional resources to address accessibility concerns in respect to the city's snow and ice control. Uh, this motion also approves uh, 30 $30,000 from the city's reserve to go towards a snow and ice control accessibility review for the future to be delivered in May of 2024. Um, so you might have heard about this. Um, <clears throat> what's interesting is the motion also calls for increased enforcement of the city's snow and ice bylaws. So currently, as it stands now, 
Um, the onus is on private businesses to clear the sidewalks in front of their uh, place of business by 11 a.m. the day after snowfall. And this is enforceable by uh, a recently upped $250 fine, um, which only six have been issued this year, according to uh, the bylaw supervisor on a, in a December 4th council meeting. Um, and in the existing snow and ice control policy, uh, which was last amended in October 2023. So um, it remains why that this issue is uh, still an issue. Uh, the city is divided into priority one, two, and three roads. Um, and priority run, one roads need to be opened and ice controlled uh, within 24 hours of snowfall. Priority two, 48 hours. And priority three is 72 hours. Um, so the meeting um, and previous other meetings over the last few weeks have seen a, like, a very large turnout of delegates speaking to council about their personal experiences navigating uh, icy and uncleared city sidewalks and alleyways, as well as being unable to use accessible parking stalls um, due to if they're not cleared or if how snow gets plowed and piled onto the curbs and para ramps around them. Um, making them actually unusable. Um, so there's 94 accessible parking stalls located uh, downtown, which up to now, has, they've had no special or priority status to be cleared over regular parking stalls. Um, and um, so the significance of this uh, motion is trying to address those, those issues. Um, one of the delegates who has spoken at most of these, uh, many of these meetings was R Ramesh Ferris. Uh, he's a disability advocate and polio survivor who grew up here uh, navigating mobility and accessibility hazards. So I spoke to Ferris this Friday and we met at the top of Two Mile Hills uh, cyclist and pedestrian path, which under the city's policy is classified as a priority one active transportation route, which means... Uh, it gets priority uh, 24 hour uh, clearance. Um, I mean, it, it is cleared 24 hours uh, after snowfall and graveled. So it's very, um, yes, uh, <laughs> priority one. Uh, so the following audio is like an edited excerpt from our conversation there. And so this is like literally goes from the top of Two Mile Hill all the way down to the to the bottom, yeah. Uh, at the start, the top, you know, as you go up the hill, and then it, the section by the escarpment areas, the pathways by the escarpment areas, the Millennium Trail, the pathway by the airport, the pathway by the new uh, bike lanes that they put by the the two bike lanes um, by Savon Foods. Those are all considered active transportation routes, and so the city's doing a great job. They they have the the uh, skills and they have the equipment and the, and, and the, the products you know to make a clear path and make sure that it's safe for active transportation users but they're in my opinion they're putting it in the wrong place all these people that are using active transportation routes uh, the cyclists and the runners and joggers in wintertime using these groomed trails that the city does it's not prohibiting them from accessing basic programs and services. So what city council has done is they've stretched the term accessibility to meet their political agenda, to expand their active transportation routes 
ignoring people with disabilities, seniors and First Nation elders saying, we want um, the city to take over snow and ice clearing uh, from the businesses on 2nd Avenue, uh, 4th Avenue, Front Street and Main Street and Grey Mountain Cemetery because um, we feel we have the the right to access our community. And so we're tr trying to make the parallel that if you can do it for active transportation routes, comfortably and financially approve that, well then you can financially approve and find in your budget the, uh, you know, the money and the, the, the services for a barrier-free downtown. And people using wheelchairs cannot even cross the roads or go on a sidewalk because it's not properly cleared like this active transportation route that we're on right now. And I... Um, yeah. So um, the motion that was approved this Monday, uh, December 11th, it's actually a replacement of an earlier motion by Councillor Michelle Friesen. Um, and that, that original motion was... Uh, a little closer to what Ramesh Ferris was asking for um, in that it would re reclassify all downtown accessible parking stalls as priority one um, road spaces, uh, they're, thereby receiving plowing within 24 hours of a snowfall. Um, this new motion, um, it has no timeline for when, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's in its non-specificity. Uh, there's no timeline or breakdown of specific locations of um, when uh, accessible um, parking stalls or uh, sidewalks will be cleared. Um, and the $220,000 in funding approved in the motion is also not uh, budgeted out or broken down in the motion. Um, so this number, two hundred twenty thousand uh, <clears> dollars, <throat> otherwise appears in an administrative report presented to the city council on December fourth. Uh, it's the estimated cost presented by city staff to an alternative uh, uh, to Friesen's uh, Councillor Friesen's original motion proposed by city staff. Um, so that would see quote, snow loading and removal from all downtown on-road accessible parking spaces and the adjacent para-ramps para to meet the service level of snow removal within 72 hours of snowfall. So it's unclear if uh, the, the, the motion that was approved uh, on Monday, Councillor Laking's motion, uh, in its additional funding is referencing this alternative, uh, the administrative report, and that 72-hour timeline. Uh, and if so, why this isn't explicit in the motion's wording. Um, I asked for clarification from the city. I uh, haven't received a response by the time of this airing. Um, either way, uh, on Monday's meeting, city manager Jeff O'Farrell did not appear to have a plan or timeline on how this money would be allocated, saying, quote, starting to spend this money in January, it would be the city moving at lightning speed, end quote. Um, so with this approved motion, Ferris's concerns remain largely unaddressed. The, the city should take direct responsibility for ensuring downtown sidewalks and alleyways are cleared of ice and snow uh, instead of relying on business owners to do so and enforcing this via more uh, bylaw fines. And I don't think it's the business's responsibility. I, at the end of the day, I think that businesses have a responsibility, but at the end of the day, it's the city's responsibility to 
um, put the money forward and make sure that there's consistency that people can cross the road um, and go from one town of, uh, to the to the other free of um, snow and ice yeah. and and also have sand put down for traction yeah. so there's no consistency now right yeah so some businesses will do it uh, in, in terms of clearing uh, snow and ice and putting sand down others will just clear the snow and ice but no sand and then others won't do anything so that's what we're looking for is just consistency at the end of the day it's the responsibility of the city yeah. really mayor and council they easily could have just said the directive that uh, we are making snow and ice removal um, to priority one for Main Street, uh, Front Street, 2nd uh, Avenue, 4th Avenue, and Grey Mountain Cemetery Access Road. They could have easily voted on that and just directed city to make it happen. They're leaders and that's what we expect of our municipal leaders. Um. So we're, we're currently just a few minutes ahead of schedule uh, before we jump into our next segment. Uh, I'm wondering, Zach, if you can describe to us what your experience was like um, going to City Hall twice for this story. Oh, yes. Uh, this is this is my first time attending City Council meetings. Um, uh, so it's it was an interesting experience Uh I would say the the biggest thing that stuck out to me, other than the actual topics that were being discussed, is the um, uh, archaic uh, usage of the uh, title "Your Worship" um, when everyone's referring to the mayor. Um, but uh, our yeah, so the the next part of our um, show is. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully, if we can get the phones to operate, I'll correct is, is we, we have Councillor Michelle Friesen um, in an interview uh, to talk about uh, the not-so-simple issue of snow removal and accessibility. Um, but yeah, I also wanted to ask her about that because I noticed uh, of all the city councillors, uh, she did not refer to uh, Mayor Cabot as your worship. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this interview. Um, yeah, so that's that's uh, that's the the mouthful uh, lead up to this interview. <laughs> Just dialing in the counselor now. Okay. Can you hear us? I can hear you guys. Okay. Am I coming through? Yeah, we can hear you too now. Great. Um, Perfect. Thanks so much for taking the time uh, on our first ever show on our little platform. Um, uh, would you care to just introduce yourself first off? Sure. Um, well, congratulations on your first episode, and thanks for asking me to participate. Um, so I'm Michelle Friesen. I am, my family is from the Ta'anquachan Council. I belong to the Wolf Clan. Um, I am a, a city councillor with the city of Whitehorse and um, a mother. And um, I am, I'm at home. We're in between our Sunday um, Christmas movies today. <laughs> um, but yeah, I live in Whitehorse on the traditional territories of the Colin Dunn First Nation and the Ta'anquachan Council. 
Awesome. Um, how are you feeling about the latest city council meeting uh, with a few days to let the decision uh, settle? Um, yeah, so if I'm if I'm being completely completely honest, um, following the meeting on Monday, I was feeling um, I was feeling really disappointed in myself. Honestly, I felt like um, I had let a lot of people down by by not getting the policy changes that they were advocating for, and um, I was really torn um, in that meeting and in how I wanted to move forward and. But I think at the end of the day, I know um, what my motion was suggesting really wasn't going to solve all the issues and all the problems and that it was just a start. And it was really just one small piece of this equal access puzzle. And so, um, like I said, at that council meeting, although it made me nervous to withdraw my motion, it, it, it made way for some action to take place in the new year that I really hope will make a difference for people with mobility and accessibility needs. Um, and now I'm just feeling, I, I'm thankful that we, we started the conversation. So I do feel that. And I think that we were able to really shift um, the language and the way that some people were viewing the issue. So I'm really thankful for that and for all the people who, who showed up week after week to share their voices. And now I just feel, you know, even more motivated to keep pushing for equal access in our community and just following through on this and making sure that some policy changes can um, happen before the election that later this year or next year. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, I had a question about uh, Councillor Laking's motion, um, and mm -hmm. it was adopted into the agenda uh, pretty quickly without discussion and unanimously accepted. Um, so I was wondering, um, did you and the other councillors and mayor uh, discuss the new motion beforehand, before the meeting itself? And if so, how would you characterize those discussions and yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so we always connect right before our meetings um, for about 30 minutes, and it's called pre-council. And so it's just an opportunity for us to kind of discuss any changes to the agenda or ask um, some procedural questions, things like that, about what's going to happen in the meeting and so Councillor Laking's motion um, was also emailed to us over the weekend so that we had a chance to kind of review it and and prepare for that conversation um but yeah in pre-council we just really briefly discussed the procedural aspect of um, bringing it forward for example um to add something to the agenda for discussion during a council meeting, you need to have unanimous consent. And so that was something that we talked about. And that's why you saw everybody's hands go up in the room because they all agreed that um, they wanted to add it to the agenda. Right. Um, other things were like what order it would come forward on the agenda or how, or if I might um, withdraw my motion and just kind of where those things would happen. But really the discussion on the issue and, and the decisions, um, the decision-making aspect happens in chambers, which is the public meeting that you would have seen. And 
Um, I think at this point, or at that point when the motion came forward, we'd been talking about snow and ice clearing as it relates to accessibility for like six or seven weeks at that time. And so um, that's maybe why there was a little less discussion for that um, addition. But I also just want to add that I really did appreciate Councillor Laking's motion. Um, I think it was a good um, compromise and you know, we have the opportunity to continue to push for the policy change pieces, but this is a suggested, this suggested way, like, it, it keeps the conversation going and it finds a way to address some of those issues in the short term. Right. Um, so just to clarify, did you, you were planning on withdrawing that motion in, uh, during the pre-council meeting? Uh, it was an option that we talked about. I, I I didn't really know what I was going to do, honestly, until until, um, until I made that decision in the council meeting. It was something I was thinking about a lot because um, I knew I knew that the this suggestion didn't have the policy change piece to it, which was something that was very important to me, and it was very important to. Um, to the advocates who'd been showing up every single week, but I also knew that my motion, as it was written, was just one small piece, and it really wasn't going to solve. It wasn't going to solve the problems, um, and so I saw this other option as a way to do something now, um, but then that we could continue doing that important work of finding a way forward for the policy change to be meaningful and um, work for accessibility year after year and so that these advocates wouldn't have to keep showing up. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of uh, the, um, the, the city manager, Jeff O'Farrell, during the meeting was asked about the uh, timeline and implementation of uh uh, Councillor Laking's uh, motion. Uh, did you feel satisfied mm -hmm. with uh, his response to that? Yeah, you know, I I really understand and appreciate that um, our staff are flat out and they're doing the best that they can to meet the demands of an ever-growing city. And so my frustration doesn't, um, it doesn't lie with them and it doesn't lie with, you know, the response that we got from the city manager, I think what feels um, frustrating, what I've heard from people the most is that, you know, there have been a lot of conversations about accessibility in the community. And I know that advocates have been speaking about these issues and barriers for years and some of them even decades. And so um, we had our first snowfall this year in November, I, I believe. And so we started talking about um, the snow and ice control update in October um, and then the original motion for accessible salt to be cleared was brought forward on November 6th um, through the council discussion that got pushed out for three weeks for more information um, which came to us um, on December 4th and then finally on December 11th we were able to vote on the new motion that Councillor Laking brought forward. And then so to tack on another, at, at a minimum, another two weeks before that budget kind of translated into visible changes in the city, 
um, you know, from our first snowfall in November to um, January for that action, I think is where people feel frustrated because that's however many weeks that First Nation elders and seniors and parents with young children and people living with disabilities have to continue to face these barriers and have to continue to make compromises and decisions about how or even if they can engage and participate and show up. And they did show up every single week to advocate for this change. And they they worked and they continue to work so hard to make our city a safer and easier space for everybody. And so I think that's where any frustration on the timeline might might come in but like I said um, it is a step forward Um, it's a step in the right direction and so um, I'm I'm looking forward you know we'll be able to look at a broader range of solutions and accessibility standards this way and some of which were suggested in our December 4th standing committee meeting and and um, it will also include looking at proactive ways to work towards equal access in other seasons as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's where the frustration comes in, but trying to be optimistic and look at the silver lining, I think it gives us an opportunity to, um, to learn and, and make mistakes and, and do better. So. Right. Um, so you mentioned that there were, uh, discussions uh, about the snow and ice Uh, snow and ice control policy uh, back in October before this sort of became uh, an issue. So I was curious about um, what was being discussed in October and um, uh, if accessibility considerations were preemptively, I guess, uh, being discussed um, before um, the, the... delegates started uh, coming in? Um, Yeah, so in October, the um, amendments that came to us were, um, they they weren't accessibility um, amendments in terms of like mobility issues, they were accessibility amendments in terms of things like active transportation. So for example, the new Chilcoat Way um, bike lane was added as a priority one on our snow and ice clearing policy. And so, um, yeah, these, these accessible stalls and para ramps and sidewalk clearing and the things that we're talking about now weren't really a part of that initial discussion. Um, and there was also some public consultation that happened. There was a survey um, that went out and we had over a thousand respondents to that survey, um, there was some targeted consultations as well, which included um, the First Nations and some senior um, active groups. And so I think that what's been really cool to see over our term is um, at the beginning of our term, our our respondent level was, was really low. I think on our first budget <laughs> survey, we had 10 respondents. And so now we're seeing thousands of respondents to these surveys and to these public consultations that we're doing. And I think it's really amazing that the community is showing up and being so engaged and that they're really interested in what's happening 
at the city council level. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, that's been one really exciting thing cool. to see um, grow over our term. Yeah. Um, and uh, you pointed this out during the meeting uh, that uh, Councillor Laking's motion in the proposal for a review, um, you pointed out that, that just having a review does not guarantee that... Um, any policies will change. It just means that they will be reviewed. Um, so as it puts someone seeking to secure some sort of guarantee in a kind of precarious position, so I guess how optimistic are you that this uh, review will actually lead to concrete uh, policy change within... Um, I, I know that, the, as you mentioned, there's a municipal election next year. And so within the mm. time restraints, I guess, that you have facing you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I thought was really important to point out when I was making that decision uh, to withdraw. So the advocates were really um, clear with us that they've seen these short-term solutions be put in place before and um you know however helpful that they that they may have been they felt that they then um you know every every snowfall that they'd have to kind of start back at square one and, and come back and continue to ask every year for those accessibility changes and so um like i said earlier i realized pretty early on that the way my motion was written was not going to make that kind of policy change that um they felt that we needed and that, you know, the community was asking for. And so um, where my hesitancy came in was really not knowing where we might be when the review comes back. So it, it is our last term on this council. And um, when the review comes back, we'll be, we'll be getting pretty close to election time. And so we also have been dealing with some pretty huge climate change emergencies like the landslide and so i i worry about something like that coming up um during this timeline and um you know i i am optimistic though that this um council has heard and and they understand on a different level now the kinds of barriers people are facing and the changes that need to happen but um yeah no that for sure was 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 part of my hesitancy and remains a concern and I think it also remains like a fuel for me to want to really stay on top of this and um and and just follow through and see keep advocating for for those policy changes and keep bringing those voices to the table and um you know it's like some of the things I mentioned on on um our last meeting we need to remind ourselves about who's who's not in the room when we're making these decisions, right? Like we had advocates who didn't feel safe to come to city council mm -hmm. and, and be a delegate and speak to us in person because they didn't feel that um, it was going to be accessible for them to get a parking stall and to get up on the sidewalk and, and to get up to the chambers. And so we need to remember whose voices are missing, who's not in the room, who's, you know, not shopping downtown, who's not um, able to volunteer or fully participate in our community. And so um, 
I really also want to stress that, you know, all the credit for um, this hard work in terms of accessibility and bringing these points forward and really driving this message home goes to those advocates and and to those allies in the community. Um, Yeah, and it's just it's just going to remain really important to me to keep bringing those voices um, and that representation to the table. So Amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Councillor Friesen. Zach has one more question for you, but I just wanted to say thank you. And it's really tough. Like I think we can understand and appreciate the challenge of trying to respond mm-hmm. to something like this, both quickly as well as making sure it's not just a Band-Aid solution. And just yeah. like even the poetry of the elevator not working at City Hall and one of the councillors even being, you know, like just all of that, I think it really underlined uh, how immediate and urgent this is, but it's it's not going away. Exactly. Um, and and go ahead. one of our advocates too, um, Ava, Eva, they talked about um, wheelchair eyes. Yeah, and yeah. if I can just leave that with people too, because it's, you know, I've really become highly aware of, of barriers when moving around the city through this and also through becoming a a mother and just trying to push a stroller around town. Right. So, um, this affects so many, so many people in so many different ways. And so I would really challenge everyone to spend some time looking at the world this way and just looking, um, you know, next time you're downtown, just keep your head down and notice the snow and notice the barriers and notice how wide the doorway is or how wide that parking stall is. And so it really makes you understand how, um, as an able-bodied person, we can really take that privilege for granted. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I thank you so much. I, I had a little bonus question as I, uh, I, before we were on the call, I was just talking about it. Um, the, uh, Mm -hmm. Um, the using the term or the title, uh, your worship in reference to the mayor is that, um, I, I couldn't find it in any of the city bylaws and I, I noticed that you did not, uh, use that. So I was wondering if, if what the history or if, if you have any thoughts about that. Sorry, I couldn't quite catch the the last part of that. Oh, just if you if you, if your um, refraining from using it uh, during the meeting was deliberate, um, and yeah. Um. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, actually, uh, it actually is intentional. Um, <laughs> it was something that I I just felt and knew. Um, immediately that I just didn't connect with or it just didn't feel right for for me to use that language in that space and um it was one of the things that I felt like I could control and how I want to interact in that system and so as the first um indigenous woman to council and only the second indigenous voice in Whitehorse City Council's history um it was really important for me to um, show up and to do things differently and to take up space in a way that resonates with with me um, and to make those changes towards um, reconciliation and just a different kind of accessibility, right? I wanted to try to, um, however small, make changes that I hope will make um, the next generation of leaders feel more 
more safe and more welcome in those yeah. spaces. And so um, that title is very colonial and it's, um, yeah, it's just something I chose not, not to use as one small example of how we can compromise and, and make space for diverse voices and backgrounds to sit around the table and not all be forced to really fit inside these boxes and, and structures that don't resonate with us. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Um, and have any of the other counselors uh, tried to follow suit or anything? Um, honestly, I, I, I didn't even know if um, anybody had noticed that. So <laughs> you're the first um, first person who is who has noticed that or has at least brought it to um, as a question to me. So, oh. um, yeah, you know, it was just something I chose. Okay. It was something I just chose not to do. I, I didn't. Um, I, I didn't. Uh, there was like wasn't a conversation about it or anything. I just I just didn't do it. So oh, okay, <laughs> cool, amazing. Uh, Shonithan Gunashish, um, Councillor Michelle, thank you so much. We appreciate you when you're in City Council, and also the fact that we get to be in community with you and Theo and just everything that you bring to the table. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's really a ple- pleasure and an honor um, to to be there and to learn and to listen from the community. And thank you so much again, Shoni Thun, for inviting me to your first show. And I can't wait to continue to be a listener. Amazing. Thanks thank you so much. so much. Take care, and we'll have you back when we can. <laughs> Bye. Wow, Zach, that was that was terrific. Um, <laughs> great, great job. Really. You know, shoveling shoveling into the story. Oh God! Um, uh. And so, you know, we're in the last seven minutes of our show, and maybe we can talk about what what's up next. Yes. What are we expecting to talk about? And and really, Zach, maybe we can just like talk about like what's up in general. I, yes, I have been following a kind of interesting uh tangent that i'm uh i hope will kind of turn into something interesting um involving the local church of jesus christ of latter-day saints so the local mormon church uh and uh what else we we were hoping to talk to raven recenter um but they've got a lot going on as some of you may be aware they're you know, closing date to accept free recycling was end of December. They've ex- um, extended that until um, City Hall has made a decision around um, their operating budget, which will be read in February. So we'll talk to some some of their staff in the coming weeks. Because this is a strange time to start a uh, new show, uh, we have to figure out exactly um, what the schedule will be like over the next couple of weeks. We have a Substack. Uh, it's just the Juice Dispatch, I think, and then we have an Instagram, which is also just at the Juice Dispatch, and our email is the Juice Dispatch at gmail.com. Very consistent branding. Um, yeah, so we uh, will stay in touch via those ways and keep you updated on on uh, the next shows. But uh, yeah. I hope this was an enjoyable experience for you, listener, dear listener. 
thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I think we tried to pack in a lot. And maybe just as we leave, we can ask Bill to play our intro jingle once more. <laughs> yes. Some sort of Pavlovian training for you. Yeah. Um, we are currently assisted uh, technically by uh, Bill Polonsky and Brett Elliott. Um, and my name is Zach McCann Armitage. This is us at Chishti. And uh, yeah, this has been the Juice Dispatch. So thanks for listening. Yeah.